Deadwood Soundwell. All right. Here's the, oh, yep, the clap. One, two. We still got it. All right. All right. My name is Charles R. Horgan, and this is a very special episode of The Real War Project. Hit the chorus. Hi, Charles, and welcome to our awards show, or as I called it, the flags of our father's extravaganza of cinematic excellence. Boy, wow. Aaron, we got in the foxhole here. The awards ceremony is held at here out in no man's land. What a treat. Everybody's sloshing through the mud and showing up. It's it's just it's a fantastic it's a fantastic foggy day out here in the corpse soaked fields of of real war project. The barbed wire is twinkling, the privates are strewn along it. I'm excited to be here with you in the bunker listening to the shells land with nary a care in the world. We watched 33 movies, and the question is, do you have a top 3 for best picture or worst picture? Among that list. First batch, Pads of Glory, Glory, Big Parade. I mean, Pads of Glory is going to have to be that one for me. It has to be. Yeah. Batch two? <laughs> See, the Strange Love and Failsafe, I, I both love them for for what they do. Um, so I can't pick between either one. It's going to have to be Strategic Air Command. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that wins by default. <laughs> uh, the it's other a good two conversation. Good. Loved the episode. Hot garbage of a movie. Although it did generate one of my favorite text messages to Charles in all of the world. Dr. Strangelove wins for me. I, yeah. I, I admire and understand your desire to have a competition between the two of them. Cause failsafe is very good. And I bet if I knew more about movies, I would appreciate it even more than I do. But Dr. Strangelove is... Dr. Strangelove is truly so fantastic. Although, you know, Failsafe mm-hmm. does give us that uh, that fantastic ending sequence of the freeze frames. All the lives coming to a, to a stop. That is notable. Agree. What about Batch 3? Man Who Would Be King, Lone Survivor... The Beast of War. Surprisingly, I think the one that I'm going to have to pick as the winner of this, as much as I love Men Who Would Be King and it'll be ranked higher on my personal list of movies that I enjoy, it's Beast of War. Yeah, I thought for sure you might go to bat for Men Who Would Be King, but I think we're going to agree here. Although there's a lot to say about Lone Survivor. Mm-hmm. It's not a movie I enjoy, but from the standpoint of this project, it is probably higher than those two movies in terms of what it contributes to the conversation. But in terms of, like, best movie of the batch, <laughs> now, Beast of War was really fascinating. 1988 ages immaculately. It's, it's really, <laughs> it, it's, it surprisingly brings up some fascinating questions about our own stuff. It's strangely prescient. <laughs> we did in Afghanistan, is what we learned in that episode. Mm, Afghanistan. The next batch. Star Wars cultures. Okay, I'm sorry, Aaron. 
It's going to be Hidden Fortress for me. Yeah, the Dam Busters, the Hidden Fortress, and Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. You know, Star Wars has such a huge imprint on my brain that I feel mm-hmm. like that does have to be the answer. But as far as like the better movie, I think I would agree with you. I think the Hidden Fortress is a better movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know what? I love that princess. And everybody got better from being the princess a bit more. Better lesson at the end. Going to reject death. Going to hear more about that later for me. Yep. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Child Soldiers is Batch 5, The Bridge, Beasts of No Nation, Red Oh, yeah. No, that's The Bridge. That's easy. It's The Bridge. If you have not seen The Bridge and you haven't because it's made in 1959, and if you're a movie nerd, you've seen it. Otherwise, you're like, what? It's so weird. It's so good. Mm -hmm. As a commentary on Child Soldiers, fascinating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, next is Apocalypse. How is The Batch? Apocalypse Now, Full Metal Jacket. Jarhead. Full Metal Jacket and Jarhead, that's the competition right there. I think Jarhead is an underappreciated movie, so I'm going to go with Jarhead. Apocalypse Now doesn't make the list for you in the uh, the batch here. It's not fighting for Apocalypse the- Apocalypse Now is a is a skillful movie that speaks of its time, and it is definitely a cocaine field dream of like- I get to quote Dr. Metz and calling it a piece of horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best takeaway. But in my I, I opinion think from the, that the more interesting conversations are brought up through Full Metal Jacket and Jarhead. Jarhead. The first time I saw Jarhead, I didn't have any idea what I was expecting and walked out being like that movie was stupid. And then we watched it for this show and we talked quite a bit about it. And I'm like, that movie is on a short list of movies to watch if you want to talk about commenting on war. Mm-hmm. Another really good episode. It's funny as hell. Yeah. And, and Gyllenhaal is great. And Jamie Foxx is great. The music is good. Mm-hmm. The music is really good in that movie and weirdly cynical, I think. I'm pumped that I saw Full Metal Jacket because I never mm-hmm. had. I'm glad that I saw Apocalypse Now, although I never want to see it again. But the, the the Full Metal Jacket insights are interesting. Obviously, Stanley Kubrick's a big deal, and I can kind of see why when it looks to when we look at like a crosscut of just of his mm-hmm. movies and how he's wrestling with some of this. Oh content. yeah, Batch Seven Spectacles of Slaughter. I feel like I I know what you're gonna say, but it's Zulu, The Siege of Jadoville, and Thirteen Hours. The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. It's Zulu. Zulu's the winner there for me. Same. I think that Zulu is actually somehow even more progressive than Thirteen Hours. Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, <laughs> and that's shocking. Weirdly, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, although you know, I give props to Secret Soldiers of Benghazi because it is a riveting movie and the action in there is truly gross <laughs> truly gross <laughs> oh my god it is very gross and it's candy and delicious and if you like michael bay it's everything you want the one comment i will make about that movie that you made in the episode is that it does a good job of tying a lot of different disparate pieces together that are all happening mm-hmm. at the same time and that's not easy no and you can say what you want about Michael Bay's explosions and villains that shoot their own foot with rockets and things. That's filmmaking, I suppose. When he's on it with his filmmaking, he he can truly craft a coherent spectacle of a lot of different things going on where you're somehow keeping track of everything. Siege of Jadoville was so fascinating to see Netflix try to churn something out, and, and Zulu was really informative. Uh, again, that conversation, the dirt maps we had that's out now with Dr. Metz, I had a lot to say about this movie. Um, I do think now it has to be my favorite Michael Caine movie of all time. I'm just going to say it. No matter what, I'm going to be like, this is the one to watch of his. Yeah. 
It's, I, I think you're definitely getting a different Michael Caine because he's kind of like the the more like prim officer. Prim is the word. <laughs> Bromhead, twenty four. That's my post up there. Who said you could use my men? They were sitting around on their backsides doing nothing. Rather, you asked first, old boy. And you usually see Michael Caine as like kind of like a more crude smartass. Yeah, or or like Butler kind of guy. It's the way he says yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was told that officer was out hunting. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Prim. That's the Prim. word. Boiling point. This one's tough. Maytuan, Bloody Sunday, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Charles, what do you think? God damn it. I love all three of these movies. For different reasons, right? Yeah, for different reasons. I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is is a little underappreciated. Maybe they were hits. I mean, they did get a sequel, so but I think it's it's smarter than it gets credit for. Bloody Sunday, that's a really fucking good movie. And Mate One, I really love, and I saw that before Bloody Sunday. So, for, I mean, for me, the one I'm going to have to move on is Mate One, I guess. It's such a tough call between Mate One and Bloody Sunday. Mm-hmm. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, if you want, the budget was 170 Opening weekend, 72. Mm. Gross worldwide, 710. Oh, okay. And if you're grossing 710 worldwide, again, you give me 170 bucks, I give you $710. You're going to take 170 of those set 710 and give it back to me. (laughs) Make another one and just keep it coming. That's how that math works out. No, but back to this batch. I want, I really want to pick Meituan. And the more I've sat with it, the more I'm taking Bloody Sunday because of how honest it is. Okay. It is so honest. And you're going to hear more of this from me as we go. Those soldiers being like, oh, man, it was a great shot, <laughs> mate. Oh, I mean, oh, God, did you like... I'm just sitting there nodding along. And as much as I want people to hear Hazel Dickens and believe that the the union can get a headshot and not matter, <laughs> it's like this movie is giving me so much more. Um, so it's close, but I feel like right now I might go Bloody Sunday. It's tough. Yeah. No, I, I get it. It's um, I highly recommend both of them. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend actually all three of them. Watch them all three the as a as a is a fun yeah, Condo. make a weekend out of it. It's a it's a treat, you know. None of them have happy endings. <laughs> this is what we learn about pacifism. <laughs> yeah, or war. It's not fun. Ends poorly. Does it work? Yeah, but see prior. <laughs> <laughs> if you had gone along with the pacifism, it would have probably ended happier. All of them, they go to war. And it winds up bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, let's talk about more pacifism because this next batch digs into some of this too. It's like really a fun conversation across batches. The, the batch nine was taking sides before the rain. Welcome to Sarajevo behind enemy lines. You know, my which one I'm going to choose here. It's going to be behind enemy lines. Yeah. <laughs> really? Go on. <laughs> you know, before the rain has a very meaningful like choice. And like that beautiful walk away from the camera as the guy dies. Welcome to Sarajevo has that sequence where they go and they see the uh, the bombing and they have to choose whether or not like they're there to help people or or to just record their suffering to be watched on television. 
Or is it about sliding across a frozen lake and shooting your gun in a totally sick manner? Because the United States shows up and wins, and I think that's one the one, actually. Are we on thin ice? No, it is literally about sliding across <laughs> the ice and shooting your pistol. Right. <laughs> was, there was nothing more than that. It was the shocking. <laughs> so really, it's a good choice if this is your choice, because as an artifact of American grandstanding, totally it's probably my favorite. I said this was my favorite batch and that's why <laughs> I mean, it's incredible it's gonna have to be between before the rain and welcome to sarajevo i'll pick sarajevo because of its importance in my life hmm. uh, but i would say to anybody that's going to be watching any of these movies absolutely 100 percent watch before the rain it's a movie that needs to be watched more it's an incredible movie it totally threw me for a loop it's incre- it's one of the my top from the entire uh show but I'm going to agree with you in this particular batch. I'm going to take Welcome to Sarajevo for the same reasons you said. The implication that it had on you and the, and the implication that has for this project. That's a great episode. And it wrestles very directly with the media before the rain does um, in just a different way. Mm-hmm. Before the Rain is a movie actually made from somebody from there. Right. And so you do get a more nuanced view of what it's like. Yeah. And, and the movie does make you think. And that's fun. It's it's a better movie in my mind from a it's bigger a picture of movies. Better but, movie and absolutely one hundred percent go watch it. But Welcome to Sarajevo was more important to me in my life and that yeah. seeing that dramatization of just kind of like the true daily suffering of people stuck in a war zone. Was so upsetting to me that I volunteered for the military and then I volunteered the first chance and opening got to go to Kosovo to go to Kosovo. Yeah. We talked a lot about how like cinema informs our decisions of who we decide to become. And sometimes it's very explicit and sometimes it's very subtle. And in all ways, it's interesting. And that's just, yeah, we had a good conversation in that batch. Mm-hmm. It was, it was somehow more in, impactful than seeing like the McNeil era news hour footage of it. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's cause I've seen that, but I think it was like seeing stories of people and that's the power, right? Of, of filmmaking is that you can learn to empathize or see like not on a grand scale of war, like, Oh, there's, you know, they're shelling the city or whatever. You're just seeing like the story tiny you know like they zoomed way in and every civilian is going through an epic movie like the pianist or something when you're out there in that episode we talked about how you know the whole movie is supposed to be about getting this girl out and then they get the girl out and then we're halfway through the movie and i'm like well what's going to happen now oh the bus ride from hell oh my god yeah and you can read about that and people can report about that in dispassionate voices but everything from driving through places where you might explode to men with trucks showing up and taking all of the children off of the bus that have a certain name, cinema really excels, like you said, at making it small. You're sitting in one of the chairs on the bus and you're looking around and you're you're just, there's nothing you can do and there's nothing any of these characters can do and you see it in their eyes and they're just thankful they get to drive away alive after all of that. Mm-hmm. Soldiers with guns are a menace. Yeah, the men in trucks. We said it in Meituan, and we will say it again now, and we will say it again throughout the show. When the men in trucks waving their guns around show up, you know you're in for trouble. Just a bunch uh-huh. of fucking shitheads. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
Batch 10, a crew of specialists. This is where we want to celebrate the men in trucks, and I'm still not buying it. Um, the guns of Navarone, Tears of the Sun, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. It's Star Trek Four. It has to be. Yeah, it's, right? it's Star Trek. But go watch an Averone because it still holds up yeah. as a as a just an adventure movie from that golden age of Hollywood, mid to late sixties. You get people like really bucking trends and and focusing on kind of some even deeper thoughts, and it'll get interesting. But yeah, it's Star Trek. I love Star Trek Four. I loved it from the first day I saw it. I still love it every time I watch it. And boy, doesn't it have a good message. You know, the Earth is dying. Um, they accelerated the timeline in that movie. But those people, when confronted with the Earth dying, didn't just accelerate it. They found a, a peaceful way of solving it. And why can't we? <laughs> well, because we don't have one of those ships that can fly around the sun and go back in time. If we could, we'd go take all the whales we could find and we'd throw them in the ocean and be like, there, does that fix it? We'd drop them on those billionaires. <laughs> Yeah, I think The Guns of Navarone is everything you said. It's a great old-fashioned adventure movie, and it also has, as we said in the episode, an incredible storm scene, an incredible cliff climbing scene. I said there's something like 13 minutes or something like that in that movie where no one says a word and you're just glued to the screen, and that's impossible in filmmaking context. It's really hard to keep people infatuated like that. With the exception of um, – with the exception maybe of Big Parade. Right? This movie is going to come up more – more and more as we get to some of these other awards for sure because it did the same thing halfway through i was just like this is a different movie and suddenly i can't stop watching it <laughs> navarone brings up some interesting stories you know some some interesting questions as well that don't exist in the book now that i have read the book yeah fun yep uh, i won't spoil it too much for you but navarone the movie brings up some more ethical questions that the book does not oh interesting and i think that that is for the better of the story yeah the only there are two reasons i will tell you to watch tears of the sun number one is because tom scarrett is taking phone calls on the flight deck of an aircraft carrier i don't like this and that's just fucking funny like that's just mm -hmm. legitimately funny and number two you should be a real war completionist <laughs> that's the only other reason to watch tears of the sun is, is so that you can say you watched all the movies that we did that movie's hard garbage and the soundtrack's great and the rest of it sucks <laughs> What if we made the thin red line about how we're cool? <laughs> so Longest Day and the Overlords. You know, Longest Day, I can't say that it holds up because this is the first time I've seen it. But yeah, I thought it was not going to be good. I thought it was going to be sub Navarone. I think it is still sub Navarone. Agree. But actually, it's it's worth watching. It, it cooked right by the guy who plays the German coastal officer. I just recently saw him in something else called The Wages of Fear, and ooh, that's a good movie. That was remade into a uh, into another film called Sorcerer that didn't do well. I have um, yet to watch it again. Sorcerer is uh, was intense, but I want to I want to revisit now that I've seen Wages of Fear. Mm -hmm. So that guy's really good. Everybody in the movie was really good. Obviously, the Best Actor Award goes to Ike. <laughs> the, the, the fourth wall break. <laughs> <laughs> he stares at us and has like his weird like death grin on him. I don't like it. 
But there it is. Gentlemen, I don't see how we can possibly do anything else but go. Overlord 70, uh, 1970s Overlord. That was all right. <laughs> how does it hold up to 2018 Overlord? It's a snooze fest. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> They're both worth watching. They they ask interesting questions. In very different vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the winner is going to be um, is going to be the 1970s Overlord. That's an important movie, much like um, much like Before the Rain. It's just a movie that you should watch. In general, it's sort of like a forgotten classic. I think it would be more popular if more people just knew about it. Yeah. Especially, could you imagine if you were, oh, it does show a boob. I was going to say, imagine like you could show that movie mm. in school, maybe, because it's short enough to I think you hold can. their attention. I mean, just because it has sex in it, I don't know that it's necessarily inappropriate for children. Does it sexualize women? It's an interesting conversation. That one in the makeout scene in the back of the cab of Before the Rain were mm. the two to me that I thought were just kind of oddly, but under like, you know, kind of stereotypically placed from a masculine gaze, but mm-hmm. it would be interesting to do a little more thought on that. Yeah. I was going to say, I was looking at the lovemaking in, in Overlord as being sort of more of a love being the opposite of, I mean, obviously the opposite of war. It was framed with him being prepped to die in that moment. He was dead already at that moment. Like, in the, in the moment, in the movie, it's after he has visualized his own death and yeah. he's laying there dead. And then he says, now bring me back. Hmm. And and my question was, is that the same as Alexander essentially forcing himself on the woman in the back of the cab? Anyway, we don't have time for that in this episode, but it's a fun, it's an interesting crosscut. The, the Guns of Navarone, in my opinion, kind of runs laps around the longest day for a lot of reasons. It does have that big overhead battle shot that we talked about where they storm the town. That's really amazing. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that it's not terrible and that it clipped along. And I sent you a lot of like texts while I was watching it being like, this has Avengers vibes. And for that mm-hmm. reason, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, you were, you were saying, I think I like this. I was like, oh, cool. I can't wait then. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're up for a 1962, you know, World War II, and it was, it was the most profitable black and white movie until Schindler's List. And it's an interesting movie in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Overlord 75 completely changed how I think about an anti-war movie in a lot of ways. I'd like to do just a whole other back look on that episode because um that movie is very interesting and very thoughtful in the way that it not only utilizes the spectacle of violence, but also criticizes it. And 2018's Overlord caps off the batch in such a great way with gaming and um, the echoing back and forth of storytelling and how this movie is, or this battle in particular, is so important representationally. Hard to pick a favorite for the project, but as a movie, Overlord 75 is... It's going to be Overlord 75, but if you want to have a fun time this uh, for a Halloween or something and want to have a a spooky time without it being too spooky and a good outcome then absolutely watch overlord i don't think i don't think a lot of people watched overlord and i kind of don't know why it's not a big hit movie in any case it's very fascinating i did the best and the worst for the entire season my top three best movies um paths of glory is number three for me the bridge is just edged out jarhead is just edged out before the Rain is number two and Overlord is number one. And we talked about this in a, a Dirt Maps earlier where it's like, I think that the message in Before the Rain is so fascinating. And as a film, it's so powerful. Uh, but Overlord is, it it's a war movie. It is a war movie. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it wraps itself as a war movie. And it makes you question that war in ways that are very complex and very unfulfilling. 
and it ends in such an interesting way. I don't know. Do you have any like last three like of the entire season? If there were three movies that people had to watch, what would you tell them to watch, Charles? Uh, for war movies, I'm going to say in no order, Jarhead. I'm going to say this is tough. It is not easy. I'm looking at the bridge. I'm looking at Beast. <laughs> and I think Beast of War. I, 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 made, a li- I made a list of 10 for whatever yeah. it's worth. <laughs> I think... I think I'm going to have to agree with you with Overlord. Yeah. And I think it's a toss up here, but for me with Beast of War and the bridge, hmm. I'm going to say Beast of War. Beast of War is almost, that's not my favorite. I mean, these are in no order, these three. Right. But right. I'm going to say that that one is almost like a stage movie. We cast anybody in these roles here. Even the Russians are off. They're Americans <laughs> for some reason. The Rainbow Coalition. Right, exactly, yeah. where it's like, it's a story about this world, but it's not actually a story about this world, while at the same time being strangely true and mm-hmm. inspired by other stuff. And so it's it's also like a hidden, it's a hidden gem. Like, it never got released, as far as I know. Overlord is also a hidden gem, and Jarhead's a hidden gem. The Beast is such a fascinating commentary on Afghanistan. I'm just going to say again, it ages really it well. It didn't know what it how right it was going to be and right <laughs> it's really worth emphasizing this is way before 9-11 okay this is way before the united states ever thought it was going to invade afghanistan this is exclusively about the russians until it's not <laughs> i also made a worst movies list oh yeah you know you you won't be surprised to find out the number three for me is apocalypse now Number two, maybe I'll surprise you a little. I put glory on here. Number oh. two is the second worst movie now. Of it. it was my favorite movie as a kid, and it's definitely one of my favorite of the batch, but it's rank propaganda, and the more I watch it, the more upset I am that it's kind of the longest day for the Civil War. Dang. And then, yeah, the, the worst movie, it, it has to be 13 hours. It has to be Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. I, it is so bad in so many ways. And also, like, a rank political tool to try to stop Hillary Clinton from getting elected. <laughs> it's so ridiculously stupid. It's an incredible movie. <laughs> if there's one of these movies that I'm throwing into the ocean to never be seen again, it might be that one. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that the biggest, the biggest sins to me are movies that are straight-up forgettable. Mm. Straight-up forgettable movies now for me... Tears of the Sun, for sure. Lieutenant. <laughs> God, God will never forget you. <laughs> Behind Enemy Lines? No. Behind Enemy Lines is fucking dumb and hilarious. <laughs> it's both of these things. <laughs> yeah. The Balkans batch, all of those were good. Boiling Point, all of those are good. Spectacles of Slaughter. You know what? 13 Hours, still exciting. Jadoville, kind of forgettable. And that's a bummer. Although it did have a couple moments, the great F word yelled by Mark Strong and also the F4 Phantom shooting down the, the UN guy. What about um, uh, Strategic Air Command? Uh, yeah, I'm, forgettability I'm is on your list. You may be forgetting the single... Yeah, that's <laughs> like like I'm going up and Strategic Air Command... Oh, you're going backwards. Yeah, yeah. I see. Okay. I'm going up my list here. Um, like Lone Survivor, I won't be able to forget that one, actually. Like uh, Beast no. of War, you know, that's a favorite. Man and Would Be King is a favorite. But yeah, Strategic Air Command punishingly boring at times got some great moments his wife great Mm -hmm. great in it Mm -hmm. you get to see Mm -hmm. a young colonel potter 
awesome. You want to see the rest of this big cigar? We do. <laughs> Zip. <laughs> Thump. <laughs> Airplane goes down. <laughs> Just weren't ready for all that weight to go to one side of the plane at once. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and Strategic Air Command has Jimmy Stewart all cracked out on Air Force meth. Right. Can't wait to get up in the air again. June Allison played Sally. That's it. Yep. And her and his relationship is not forgettable. It's actually kind of interesting. That's the most interesting part of the movie. critical. Yep. Forgettability for me has to be Tears of the Sun. Because we did have jokes. um, (laughs) The aircraft carrier is legitimately funny. (laughs) Yeah, Tears of the Sun was was truly like boring the heck out of me yeah so so actually there wasn't really a lot of forgettable movies in here for me Mm -hmm. but yeah tears of the sun truly by the end of the project felt like straight up work agree it felt like the longest movie that i had watched up to that point yeah jadoville i totally forget about almost for the most part until i'm actually forced to think about it Mm -hmm. i mean red dawn I liked. I mean, to a certain, I, I I will remember Red Dawn. So yeah, avenge me. <laughs> yeah, it might. It, it's gonna say. I'm gonna say Tears of the Sun is probably my most disliked movie of this group. Do I think that 13 Hours Secret Soldiers Soldiers of Benghazi has horrible politics? Yes, yes, 100. percent It could have like shown Hillary Clinton. It just needed to be more ob- honest about it. Like. <laughs> Hey, we aren't saying. We're just, we're not saying. It pulled too many punches. <laughs> That's what's wrong with 13 hours. <laughs> um, it just wasn't explicit enough. 13 hours um, was a little too gloves on for my yeah. approach. <laughs> oh, God. Eli said that Michael Bay has hands made of lead. <laughs> yeah. This is exactly this is why they put such big gloves on. Yeah. So I think my, yeah, my, my big toss in the fire one is going to be is going to be Tears of the Sun, but the other ones, like, totally 13 hours. If you can laugh about 2016, then if you can look back and just cynically laugh about everything that happens and how how obvious it all seemed in retrospect, <laughs> then by all means, watch it, because it is a skillfully crafted movie, and it flies along, and it blows apart. But also, you know, do a shot whenever it shits on all the eggheads freaking calling on phones and stuff or oh, whatever God. it really revels in the absolute manliness of lecky flipping right. a freaking tire in a speedo i mean he looks great when you find yourself siding with the cia you know something has gone horribly wrong <laughs> in their choices for the evening but there we were okay best soldier or worst soldier charles we, we get three soldiers from the entire show Best and worst. So, what is a good? What's a what's a good soldier? You know, you get to pick. You're you're your own awarding entity. Look, allegedly, the good soldier is the one who is going to say no to to a bad command. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so let's say the dude from Beast of War, the lead of Beast, um, that isn't that isn't the guy from Scarface playing the the village leader right bauer or whatever his last name is yeah <laughs> Stephen bauer no, the guy that leaves the tank crew mm-hmm. he takes a good look at his tank crew decides he can't be part of the tank crew anymore decides to- he gets totally punished for it they stick a freaking grenade under the back of his head and tie him like a rock yeah. with his arms outstretched right. like jesus it's expensive to resist the machine <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so that's one let's see who else is a good soldier here hmm 
I mean, the two guys in Man Who Would Be King, aren't they just total scamps, great soldiers? <laughs> they laugh an avalanche down that gets them <laughs> across the border. I mean, if that's not soldiering. <laughs> I do love them for just being, I mean, they're just, they're just a great duo of, of classic troops. It's like if two E4s, uh-huh. um, right. went and did the story. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's just like those, those guys who like, eh, I don't want the responsibility, but I'm very competent, mm-hmm. but I, I also like to sham a lot. You know what? There's not a lot of good question mark soldiers. Right. If we're going to go along this with the exception of like <laughs> Tears of the Sun. <laughs> you know? He's, mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, that no. is good soldiering as far as doing your job, except like because, because your point in Tears of the Sun is this is never what actually happens. <laughs> right. This is never but what the, the seals are actually in the news for. <laughs> if we're going about like the guys like making the right choice and doing the like actually inserting themselves when they can make a difference to stop like a village being burned, like, hey, great. We, we love this fairy tale. <laughs> I think you're missing one that you're going to want, and I've got it on my list. Number three for me is Blue Eyes. I think Blue Eyes is a pretty good soldier because he refuses to throw his buddy off the thing. He ultimately turns against the guy. Uh, I think that he's on my list of resistors. I definitely put Princess Yuki on my list. I think that if she can stay silent with those people, she could like attack any beach. <laughs> she could do mm-hmm. anything. Well, I was wondering that, that you know, because I'm thinking of I'm thinking of troops. You know, uh, she's not a troop. She's You're not right. a troop. I'm cheating. Yeah. Okay, and this one then maybe a strain too. My first is Alexander from uh, Before the Rain. Oh, yeah. I think as far as choices that are made in this movie, he makes the best one. Yeah. So he's the winner. The worst soldiers for me are number three, Burnett from Behind Enemy Lines because Owen Wilson is insufferable in that movie. Uh, the second worst for me is the guy you're going to hate this, in the bridge who gets gut shot for telling the children that they don't fight kids. He's just a bad soldier, I said, and I'll stand by it even now. And then the very worst soldier of all time uh, for this show for me is Thomas Beddoes. He doesn't know why he's there. This is Overlord 75. He has no clue why he's there. He falls down the hill. He puts his head up in the Higgins boat at arguably the last possible moment that you should ever be putting your head up in a Higgins boat. He's just a bad soldier, Charles. He's not cut out for this. He's a very average. He's a very average soldier. <laughs> Look, I would be lying if I said I never ate shit while, uh, while humping, you know, like it's. Could I do better? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> There's times I wished I had fallen down the side of a hill and like sprained my ankle so I wouldn't have to march anymore. If I'm going to say bad soldiers are people that are actively hurting the mm-hmm. their their unit this is a different read but a good list yep there's some real options here tank boy <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it's gonna have to be um Descal or whatever from beast of war right. his choices yeah. are are hurting everyone man that little fanatical asshole with the pistol from the bridge i hate him <laughs> he's yeah <laughs> <laughs> the guy who gets his dad's gun. Yeah, yeah go join your dad. Yep, yep that, that rifle shot, frankly, couldn't have come sooner. I know it sounds like I'm glorifying the death of children, but they are fictional. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody's pretty competent in Zulu. There's, there's no cowards there, really. Right. 13 hours. Everybody who's a troop in that is is badass. They fight for nothing in, sorry, Siege of Jadoville. I'm distracted. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead.
they're like sacrificed for it. It's like we have to show force, but at the same time, we can't go in and support you. Right. We're not going to say that out loud, but everybody has to play their part. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, you know what? Bad troop, Donna of the Planet of the Apes. What's his name? Joe Toy. I don't remember his name. He was forgettable. I forget what his real name is. He's also in Fringe and Band of. I mean, I'm using his Band of Brothers name. Mm-hmm. Carver. He he's a bad he's a bad asshole. Yeah, in that movie. Look, Bloody Sunday, chock full of them. Right. <laughs> oh, the guy in charge of Bloody Sunday, the guy who's like, oh, there will be a problem, and when there is that problem, then the Marines will break through. Right. I cannot wait. Yeah, that's a good list. Yeah, it, there's there's definitely a lot of them, but you know what? Who the actual true worst troops are in this um in this list are two heroes from freaking Hidden Fortress. <laughs> Tahe and they never. Matashichi. Yeah, I had to look these names up too because I have them in another area. And you're right, they are like emphatically bad at soldiering. <laughs> they never even get to the they're so bad at it they never get to the battle and then get punished by their own side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if C3PO and R2D2 are more competent, then I think we can label them as worst soldier material. Great content there, I agree. Best performer Ooh. we get five is what we said five performers i'll read mine i feel pretty good about it and i like listening to you kind of work it out it's number um six because i'm a cheater is jake gillenhall i think he's so good in jarhead but he doesn't oh yeah make the list mm. i don't know if i'm gonna say this name right but it's misa ura urahura which is princess yuki is my five number four oh, is yeah. marissa tomei who's very very good in welcome to sarajevo Number three is Andre Brower from Glory. Uh, he is Ooh, yeah. so good as Searles. And I really latched onto that character as a kid for reasons that are hard to explain. Number two, the more time I've spent, I did just write a bunch about it, but the more time I've spent with Carrie Fisher's performance in Star Wars, just a weirdo movie. She is so good in that movie in terms of blending into a character that has a lot of power and position in ways that aren't, what's the word I want? Uh, really overdone, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The best performance is also the worst soldier. Uh, his name is Brian Sterner. I don't know what else he's in, but he played Tom Beddoes in Overlord, and he is just completely believable as that kid. And he reminded me so much of every college kid I've ever known that I just fell into that character. So those are my five. I made a list of 20 performers that I considered for this list, but those are my Top six. How'd you do? Is uh is what's his name on there? Is is D'Onofrio from uh, Full Metal Jacket in there? You know what? Vincent D'Onofrio is not on this list, and that is what we would call a glaring oversight. He didn't make my top mm. twenty. Absolutely, and he should. Uh, I mean, he's so celebrated for that scene, and you can see why. Yeah, and and not just that scene, but his whole performance, like. This whole performance throughout this whole transformation is um is sad. We're talking about Pyle there in Full Metal Jacket for those few of you out there that have not seen that movie. <laughs> Don't know who we're talking about. No, he didn't make my 20. There's so many good performers. Do you have a top five? Who would they be, do you think? Let's see. Overall of of performers, I'm I I, I love Kirk Douglas, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's I've I've used to imitate his little like rant at the end of the thing because he like bounces his head. <laughs> you can go to hell before I hear that out. Podcasting is failing our audience right now, but it's really uh-huh. good. <laughs> yeah. He's he's really good. You know, if I was just to pick performances from moments, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say the mom from Big Parade when he comes mm-hmm. home. Oh mm-hmm. god, what a good freaking moment that was. 
Douglas has that walk through the trench and the anger and sadness simultaneously on his face as he's looking at all of his dudes. Yeah. That's a great performance. Andre Brower and freaking glory, freaking Denzel Washington. Yeah. Like, how do you choose from it's that? Hard. Like, it's, you get one more. You got some really <laughs> great. Well, it's like, yeah, I can't. It's, it's hard to choose. Like, what are you going to, yeah. to give it to? Like, does it have to be somebody who is in the movie longer? Right. Is it just like a one moment of a performance that you love? I said Henry Fonda from Failsafe and you pointed out the guy he was talking to in the scene on the phone. Also, just both of them. That whole scene <laughs> is so good. Yeah. It's such an intense phone call. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's a, Larry Hagman that I've never that I, as a little kid never saw before yeah. until that movie where it's like oh he said just have to deal with Genie's bullshit. There are so many in Doctor Strange Love. Obviously Sterling Hayden. Doctor Strange Love is just a murder. I mean, yeah, if you're going to say like best performance all the way through of a single actor, it's like you got to say what's his Played name? Muffley. What's his fucking name? I have it on here. Peter Sellers. But there it is. Yeah, Peter Sellers. There it is. He plays three different people and they're, they're all insane. (laughs) And they're, they're all amazing. They're amazing performances. Like one of the best soldiers (laughs) has got to be like the RAF guy, right? Like who's, who's trying to stop nuclear Armageddon. (laughs) Holding his little gum there. Just holding his gum. Just not sure what to do. (laughs) Trying to, trying to like tiptoe around fragile masculinity. You know, very fragile. (laughs) Like two wheels on the edge of a cliff teetering with rocks falling out. (laughs) It's about to be a spectacle here. Uh. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be my, the best performance all around is going to be, have to be Peter Sellers. um, (laughs) In a movie chock full of best performances. Because then it's like, oh, how do I not choose, how do I not choose George C. Scott? Because his performance in there is legendary. Mm Yep, he's on my list too. Turgidson. <laughs> so, yeah. his, his stomach slap is one of the best performances in the entire season. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way he, he says, here's what we're going to do, all body. <laughs> he's so good. Um, look, a goo from Beasts of No Nation. Yeah, he's on my list. He was fantastic. Like every there. absolutely shout out Abraham to Abraham Atta. Yeah. Mm hmm. And what's his name was good in it too. Um, Idris Elba. He was really know, good. Like, yeah. Big surprise, people. Right. He's great in his, in a role. We talked about, Ka- uh, Catherine Cartledge, um, in Before the Rain. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Jillian Hall. I agree with you. Jillian Hall. I love him. I, I can't explain why I love him in that movie so much. He is so. Is there a movie with Jillian Hall and Ben Foster in it? Oh, that would be so good. Mm, interesting question. Yeah. Oh, here's a, a, a name that we haven't listed yet that is on my list. Uh, Matthew Broderick is the weirdest pick for current. Colonel Shaw and mm. he absolutely nails it. Yeah. He completely nails. He is your every man rich guy's kid colonel who both believably is a nepotism choice and also would like storm that fort at the end. It's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. They could have written him more honestly, we said in the episode, but uh he lands it. And he probably would have landed that too. Mm-hmm. I think he, that's the real shame is I think they could have done it right, but too bad yeah Yeah. if they yeah yeah totally (laughs) that movie would not have gotten made (laughs) (laughs) no definitely not um nobody from jadoville gets picked uh, 13 hours nobody um you know zulu technically i could say michael kane i think he does he does a great job in there but i don't think it's gonna stand 
past Peter Sellers or any of those, uh, some of those other people I've named. I mean, I wouldn't pick him over a goo as much as I love Michael Caine. We talked about Renee Adore's performance in the big parade where she laughs at the frog. You said that was one mm-hmm. of your big standout oh, I moments. Mm-hmm. I don't, John Gilbert is Apperson in the big parade. I thought I put him on here. Who the hell was Slim? Like, we hate that guy so much. Does that put him on our list of good performances? Is it, are, is, aren't we supposed to hate that guy? Except as, I as don't a think we're supposed to hate him. <laughs> he's so over the top, Charles. I think he's supposed to be like the one that we love and are sad <laughs> that he dies. Sadly, the bartender guy just waxed and then you just never see him. Again. I totally missed that he died, but okay, we've done way. Yeah, Jimmy didn't even get sad about it. You know, a lot of too many good performances in Mate One for me to pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloody Sunday, that main actor in Bloody Sunday, what's his name? He was also in, um, in Sarajevo. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic job. Such an I mean, that movie feels, feels so natural. Nesbitt, there in it is. The way, James Nesbitt. Yeah, um, for sure, check him out. Um, you know, Koba. Koba was great. He had a great performance. He could ride a horse. It would have been nice to see Koba. I think we already maybe said this. See Koba showdown with... Um, Roku Rota. Mm-hmm. Roku Rota. God. I mean, Rokoroto would take him. Absolutely, but we're going to watch, aren't we? <laughs> we're going to watch it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All eyes. Uh, okay, how about best song, Charles? Do you have a best song? This one's fun. I love this category. I have four because we were only allowed three because I cheat. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to agree um, on the first one, but it has to be fire in the hole. Oh, it's going to be fire in the hole. It has to be. Yeah. You can tell them in the country, tell them in the town. The miners down in Mingle, their shovels down. We won't pull another pill another ton. Or lift another finger till the union we have won. Stand up, boys, let the bosses know. Turn your buckets over, turn your lanterns low. There's fire in her hearts and fire in her soul, but there ain't gonna be no fire in the hole. God. I was gonna say the little song that, um, that Sean Connery's singing there before he falls off of the bridge and Man Who Would Be King. Band the chosen few on whom the spirit came. Well, valiant saints, their hope they knew and mocked the cross and flame. He met the tyrants, brandished steel, the lion's gory mane. That one's pretty good. Did not make my list. <laughs> There's the the town festival song from Hidden Fortress. Yeah, that was pretty good. Let's see, Apocalypse Now, that has tons of songs in there. We get the doors opening up that movie. Does that count? This is the end, and Aaron's like, is it? Please, it's not shit. <laughs> There's more to this movie. This is the end, JK. It's just the start of this. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket, it's got that great opening song as everybody's getting their heads shaved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Goodbye My Darling, Hello Vietnam. Did not make my list, but good contribution for sure. Yeah. Kiss me goodbye and write me while I'm gone. 
Also, the Mickey Mouse song, Mickey Mouse Club song at the end. Oh, damn. Mm -hmm. Good call. I mean, a a weird cut. (laughs) A weird cut. And that's like, what does it mean? From Jarhead, we have Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> okay. And I think Fuck the Power in the mm-hmm. same Technically, scene. Technically, yes, in the same scene. This is the pivot. This is how we feel about old what's-his-name out there, whose name I can't remember, but we just don't like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> in Zulu, we get a bunch of Welshmen singing at different points. Stop your dreaming Can't you see Their spear points gleaming See their warrior pennons Streaming To this battlefield Sing! Stand steady Come on, sing! And then we also get that uh, beautiful salute of the Zulus um, coming back at the end. And um, and just as a huge group of people singing together, it sounds really amazing. They're taunting us. The music back and forth in that movie, we had a conversation in the episode about that. That was fun, Mm -hmm. for sure. I don't remember anything from Shadowville. I mean, there's obviously, there's like the fiddle music to establish that it's Ireland at the beginning. I couldn't even find the soundtrack for it. Oh, really? I literally had to sample the trailer to get the music for it, I said, because Netflix did not even produce a soundtrack because they do not care. Yeah. They are just trying to get Oscar net buzz and to show they can make a war movie. There was some music when the mu- when the electricity came on and Donna to the Planet of the Apes. I can't tell you what it was. Um, Before the Rain, I don't remember. Before the Rain, the music at the beginning, like the theme... So one of the things I did is uh, edit most of these episodes, which meant that I was always going back and editing while we were recording. And when we recorded Before the Rain, I listened to us previewing it at the end of the Batch episode, like the next movie we're going to watch is Before the Rain. And as soon as the theme dropped and it sounded like this... Having seen Before the Rain, when I heard that, I was like, oh my god, that movie's so good. Oh my god, the theme hits again at the end. Ties in the whole circles, not round thing. Good music. Not on my list, but that theme in particular, now that you mention it, is a really solid one. Guns of Navarone, the theme oh, totally. for that is oh, yeah. a jam. It's a jam. I whistle it all the time. 
in all of yeah. its versions. So the the original version, get to learn the words to the Guns of Navarone. Islands of Greece are green and beautiful, green and beautiful, where the olive trees grow in the fields below. And then sing that like a ska person to the Guns of Navarone. Right. I forgot that there were words to that, and there are. And I also forgot that there was the whole ska component to it, and there is. elevates all of this <laughs> yeah you gotta put a band together just to perform that that would be freaking awesome it would take like 20 minutes but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um let's see here um i couldn't tell you any of the music from behind enemy lines i'm sure that there's some rock music playing as they're like slinging footballs off oh the god remember the- there was that stupid early 2000s song about how his car has a cd player when they're in their jet and we're just like oh my god he's got a brand new Oh, yeah, the 2000s Star Trek has great music to it. Um, it's legendary, Star but Trek, I can't yeah. tell you any of the songs. I don't think there's any songs in it. They didn't even use the theme at the beginning. They used they used the one that you said sounded like a Christmas song. Yeah. And when you said that, I dropped the part that I thought sounded like a Christmas song, and it does sound like a Christmas mm-hmm. song. It's it the ding dong dongs and stuff. It's the there. it's the bells. Yeah, that's yeah. Christmas. Scene. As yeah, mm-hmm. as um as Gunther and the Sunshine Girls would say, it's the ding ding dong. It's the ding ding dong and the tra la la Christmassy. Yeah. <laughs> totally, yeah, the fa la. Oh, I got you. We say the fa la la. Mm. Ooh, my ding ding dong. That's a song I haven't heard in a while, but it's still in there too. Okay, longest day's got a uh, that has a theme song as well. Yeah, the whistle. <laughs> At the end, but it had, like, lyrics to it, which were done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a choir version of that. Many men came here as soldiers. Many men will pass this way. Many men will count the hours as they live the longest day. Many men are tired and weary. And the whistling up the beach, I just thought was so inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the opposite of the ending to uh to Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Overlord seventy five has that great musical drop um when they're driving everywhere. Don't know where I'm going. This one definitely made my list. It is we don't know where we're going until we're there, and it kills me. Lots and lots of rumors in the air. We 
heard the captain say, we're on the move today. We only hope the blinking sergeant major knows the way. Chased us round and round the barrack square. And now we're on the road to anywhere. No one's in the know. We're singing as we go. Oh, we don't know where we're going until we're there. That one is an excellent, excellent sequence. The strongest ones, I think, is going to be Overlord, Mate One. Maybe Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. The Mickey Mouse one? I think the Mickey the, Mouse one. Yeah. Is like, is, is pretty it's a, good. Although, it's a good ad. I no. forgot the winner is Paths of Glory. It's the ending of Paths of Glory. The, yeah. yeah. So when they say they've got to go back to the front and they play the really patriotic music at the end of the patriotic version of the incredibly sad song that that one lady is singing when the guys have like the one moment of humanity. Yeah. It's really smart. That also didn't make my list and it's a notable omission. My number three, my first two are the same fire in the hole. Don't know where we're going until we're there. Number three, I think you'll agree the Wagner charge charge from glory. That Mm -hmm. song is just a slammer as far as fighting when you listen to this i mean it's it's it shows up in so many trailers it showed up in so many other contexts it's such a famous version And this isn't from a movie, Charles, but this is a product of the show, so I put it on this list. You tuned me into Dog-Faced Soldier, mm-hmm. and I've been whistling this this damn thing forever. It is. Oh, hell yeah. I'm glad I can pass the pain on. It is a creepy song. all the posters that I read, it says the army feels in on it i'm glad that you hate it it's the kind of like whistling at the end of the longest day they're tearing me down to build me over again <laughs> i'm just a dark soldier with a rifle and it's like this is not honest <laughs> <laughs> news flash <laughs> anyway yeah that one made my list because once i've learned that it's in there and i'm like it's working it makes me oh, yeah. places mm-hmm. i'm glad you okay. we'll, we'll eventually get to a movie that actually has it in there yeah and then we can really include it i'm very <laughs> curious about the next category which we just generically called best camera stuff oh yeah i only have two entries i put overlord 75 and lone survivor we said Overlord 75's use of historic like material is so incredibly fascinating. And also the ways that they shoot moments in movies that happen in ways that take all of the meaning out. And then I also put Lone Survivor on this because it just looked incredible. Mm-hmm. It looked really beautiful. And I don't know more to say about it. Like 
somewhere between, you know, like the old Guns of Navarone, almost like Pulp Fiction style adventure look, and the Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, and frankly, Donald Planet of the Apes, where everything feels like almost chromatic in its effect, like driven presentation, mm-hmm. Lone Survivor hits the sweet spot for me. I don't know. It's just all of those lens flares, maybe. But what do you think, had, as like someone who actually pays attention to this, who do you think does the best, the best camera work? Are you going to put, I think you're going to put um, Dr. Strange Love on there because of how it informs so many other stuff. But that's just me inserting my opinion. What are you going to put? Well, look, there's some beautiful, the cinematography in glory is beautiful. You know, the film is, the film industry is inherently racist. It's not easy um, through design because the film hasn't been wasn't built originally to deal with darker complexions and glory is is shot beautifully with where you don't get people washed out or or completely like silhouetted or something in there that is not easy to do in an era when when probably there's like i would be willing to bet that the cinematographer for the movie had to test a ton of film, obviously, before they found one that that was appropriate for that. A big parade has a battle sequence at the end that is overlaid with so many different shots of weird things going on, where it becomes a chaotic avant-garde experience with the music and everything, that I definitely have to give props for that. Paths of Glory has that famous walk through the trenches. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a single shot with the camera going through there, and and it's fantastic. I see that again and again and again. Now that mm-hmm. I know what it's from, I see it in so many contexts. Yeah. So many people evoke that shot. The Glory Note is well taken. It was nominated. I don't know if it won, but it was definitely nominated for Best Cinematography. Oh, yeah. And you're right about not only the character actors, but also just the spectacle. It's huge. Yeah. And it looks incredible. And the night stuff looks good, and the day stuff looks good, and it all looks amazing. It all looks really good. Strange Love, I mean, Strange Love is legendary. It's got big sets. It's beautiful black and white. It's an amazingly shot film, and it has those weird handheld sequences. Mm-hmm. That that I feel like inform a lot of stuff later on. Mm-hmm. Strategic Air Command has, admittedly, it has some amazing aerial photography in there from the time. And such it, an interesting contribution to this, right? Technicolor extravagance of the DoD. If you ever want to see those airplanes in all their detail from the outside and flying yeah. and stuff, yeah, okay, watch that movie. We talked about how Technicolor is, they, they said Technicolor is better than real life and how it feels better than real life. It feels mm-hmm. like Wizard of Oz candy color and if you like those airplanes and that kind of thing, then go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Lone Survivor, it's fine. Like all of these, the that Afghanistan batch, like that's all competent stuff. I'm thinking of like m- camera motions and stuff, like scenes where I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn busters. When the dog showed up, I definitely said, holy shit. <laughs> but that was different. That wasn't the cinematographer. That was right. the dog. <laughs> Hidden fortress. <laughs> holy fuck. Don't blame the cinematographer for that one, Charles. Sorry. <laughs> it isn't the camera work necessarily, but, um, but the, the fricking duel in Hidden Fortress. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like a lot of very long shots for that and and it it seems scary. It does. Yeah. It definitely does. Yeah. Beasts of No Nation has uh has some has a famous like very long single take in there, kind of a signature of that director. Um mm-hmm. 
when they when they attack the village um that's pretty competent you know like that's but i feel like it's sort of less of an impact these days everybody's like oh my god it's a single take wow it's like just tell the story instead of (laughs) um there's one of those in the karate kid that i hadn't noticed until i watched it for work and i'm like that's a big long single take it's like one of the first times that Miyagi and Daniel talk to each other, and it's a fascinating scene as one shot. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm going to say, you know, looking at all of these, I mean, obviously Overlord has actual real true footage, Mm -hmm. and that is... Used in ways that are really weird. Yeah, and the way they use it and intersperse it with the story and and everything is brilliant. I mean, uh, the movie is a brilliant movie. The new Overlord has that amazing sequence with the whole airplane coming apart... (sighs) Like, that's crazy. You know, it's amazing what you can do with with digital special effects and everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say one of my favorite movies for cinematography and and all of that stuff, framing and and everything is going to be Jarhead. Mm -hmm. I I loved the the little subversive choices with stuff, the reflection of the explosions going off, you know, like the. Yeah the mirror image almost of all of the guys eating and then all of the guys blown up in the circle jarhead was really really gave me a lot to to kind of chew on for fun with its with its imagery in there and i think it was you know i mean obviously it's purposely going for those for those choices but i really loved the look of jarhead Mm -hmm. yeah um (laughs) if if we're going to include the use of historical footage in Overlord 17, then I, I think we should talk a little bit about the Jarhead's use of Apocalypse yeah. Now. Oh, yeah. And how a bunch of people, when we bring it up, they're like, yeah, that's a reference, and that's interesting. And it's, it is. It's trying. It's working to destabilizing it and, and referencing, you know, Full Metal Jacket, Get Some Marines, Get Some, tying those two together to really punctuate that mm-hmm. whole batch. It, th- that's not a particular cinematography choice, but when it comes to the scene yeah. from Apocalypse Now being showed in the theater, like that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, and all these guys just like about to jizz in the audience. Yeah, right. Wow. The guy, you know what it was, Charles? It's so weird. When he hits his head with the helmet with the, the magazine, <laughs> yeah. not the clip, and then it cuts to the soldier doing it with the candy bar. It's like, what is... <laughs> man, movies, man. <laughs> yeah, no, we love them. <laughs> Yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> they they turn us into people. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a good call. I appreciate it. Neat. Uh, let's do a couple more here. We got best soundtrack. Here, um, Guns of Navarone was the outsider for me. Tears of the Sun was number three. Uh, Star Wars was number two. And number one for me is Jarhead. Uh, Tears of the Sun is Hans Zimmer sounding very much like the Thin Red Line, mm-hmm. but doing work that isn't in the Thin Red Line, that is even, in, in my opinion, more desperate in a lot of ways. I really loved that soundtrack, and it was put to just complete terrible use. We <laughs> It's it's easy to overlook Star Wars in this category because of how important the soundtrack is. But if you go back and just listen to the very first one and try to pretend like you've never heard anything like it, it's so incredible. (laughs) 
Jarhead wins for me, though, because of the winking. We had this conversation about how the music is winking at us throughout the whole movie. It sounds good, it sounds cool, but it's happening in times that aren't cool or that are not good. The song Raining Oil... doesn't sound like raining oil and the scene is as as a cinematography moment that scene is fucking intense man and the music's doing this the whole time and i'm just like i don't know i don't know how to handle that it's really good also less like visually a fantastic sequence so there there's some great soundtracks in here you know as particularly scores um i'm surprised that glory wasn't on your top there i mean because it's it was close mm, okay it's in there it's really in there that one's burnt i mean i gave the wagner charge charge an award so yeah but the opening and the ending Yeah, that's a soundtrack we've listened to a bunch. I definitely love that soundtrack. There's, you know, not really a bunch that stand out to me. Star Wars, Legendary, Apocalypse Now, that's like legendary song, Mm -hmm. songs and stuff. Um, It also has some weird music or sound design, like when they go to the weird bridge and stuff. Yeah. That's fantastic. The the actual winner, I think, here for me is Beast of War for soundtracks. Because huh. I've actually, I've listened to that soundtrack a bunch since we've watched that movie. Yeah. And it is a freaking weird soundtrack, and I really like it. It is weird, and I do remember liking it. Which ones in particular, do you know? I don't. I just let okay. it play through on the uh, yeah. on the old YouTube playlist there. Right. No, it was a good one. I remember thinking it was very weird, and um, we said that it made a monster out of the tank in a lot of interesting ways. Mm-hmm. But it was the people in the tank that were the actual monster. That's the takeaway. Best exit? Speaking of the Beast of War, uh, this yeah. is it. He gets carried away on a helicopter. Behind Enemy Lines does the same thing, except with a big jump and a football soundtrack. (laughs) 
in my mind, both of those things are so like extravagant that I actually awarded that number two, even though it is literally so derivative. And maybe this one is too. I don't know. But Beast of War is incredible. Uh, Behind Enemy Lines. And then the other best exit, I said, I gave it to the 54th Massachusetts in glory. No. Give it out, 54th. It's not nice, but there it is. It, they they did their job and they didn't win, but we're proud of them anyway. It, there's no question about it. Best exit, best exits, beast of war. It's so good. I'm sorry, I can't stay here and then just get sucked up on the helicopter. It's freaking excellent. He just goes and goes and goes. <laughs> you know what do we mean by best exit? People kicking the bucket. We had some good exits at the end of Paths of Glory. We have best death later. Oh, okay, this is best exit. All right, yeah. yeah. So different. Yeah, by all means, then it's 100% going to be, um, no, actually, best exit, the doctor from, um, from Star Trek 4. Wait a minute, where are you going? Yes. <laughs> You're going to your ship, I'm going to mine. Science vessel. I got 300 years of catch up learning to do. You mean this is goodbye? Why does it have to be goodbye? Well, how will I get your number? She says, don't worry, I'll find you. See you around the galaxy. And then just walks. <laughs> nope, I think you're right. That's it. In fact, I may have had that in mind when I wrote the category and then forgot completely about it. Yeah. yeah. To give out the award. Oh my God, that's the winner. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, best shootout. Oh. I had a couple of different choices. Meituan, for me, the one at the end, yeah. we said was really good because it was very clumsy and very blunt. Mm-hmm. I also said the scene in Beasts of No Nation when they're hiding inside the can and the shootout is happening outside. Mm-hmm. That, to me, was very, very intense. And as far as a shootout is concerned, obviously, I'm trying to strip glory and extravagance from the shootout. And that did a pretty good job. And then I also put <laughs> the scene at the end of Jarhead. Where, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> there's the scene where they find everyone and they shoot their guns. But I was thinking in particular of the one where they bomb. Oh, yeah. Where they're yeah. about to shoot the guy and then they're told they don't get to shoot the guy. And instead, the jets come in and do the thing. And it all happens at once. You could really do either of those scenes as far as I'm concerned because they both work. Um, but yeah, that those are my choices. <laughs> I also put Bloody Sunday in here though because I thought the the scene where the guys are like, oh, how many did you get? And all that keeps saying that scene. To me, that's like yeah. a good shootout moment in my mind. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Mate One is definitely way up there. Uh, Mate One – Mate One's shootout at the end feels feels impactful in ways that the entirety of Tears of the Sun does not. Correct. Good cross cut there. Mm-hmm. And it's this yeah, and it's the same feeling for for the the action in Bloody Sunday, you know, like it's sort of the same weight to it once the guns go off like shit is too real. Mm-hmm. 13 hours has better action than other movies, you know, we said it. Michael Bay knows how to how to craft stuff. It has better action than Siege of Shadowville. Mm-hmm. It'll be cartoonishly ridiculous and then brutally real all at once, all at the That's same like time. Bay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And isn't that real action sometimes? Maybe um, yeah, who knows? Full Metal Jacket has 
pretty memorable shootout in there when the guys are getting like blasted like sniped and then they're just shooting back and it's not hitting anything of any use you're just seeing like this grotesque waste of of resources mm-hmm. i think that should probably be way up there the five days of squibs shootout that one yeah famous. no totally exactly <laughs> exactly lone survivor when they first start getting under attack in lone survivor that is pretty intense like when they bring up the rpk or whatever and they start lighting up the forest around them yeah that feels intense i wanted to include lone survivor and i know that it's not just this moment but the disqualifying part was the guy falling to his knees with you said it's like this shot is just so unnecessary and it's Mm -hmm. so over the top and it's to me that took it out but otherwise lone survivor was intense with the shooting yeah that was definitely incredibly little muzzle flashes far away that Mm mm-hmm do real damage yeah i mean koba on top of the tank and riding a horse with two guns i mean that's a crazy (laughs) shootout and we don't want that shootout to happen also which i think is very good yeah so it's hard for me to to truly choose here but i think that mm, man is a planet of the apes with that freaking whole sequence with the shooting at the end it's a pretty big epic outro man it's a epic outro and it's And we don't want it to happen, you know? Another weird moment from that movie that jumps out at me when I said you couldn't see them, you couldn't see them, and then as soon as they came through the smoke, the shooting started, and everyone was like, oh, shit! Or they're just seeing the muzzle flashes first? Yeah. 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 Not cool. (laughs) I think think that's what I'm going to choose as the best shootout. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Most groan-worthy moment. The most groan-worthy moment. I think we're going to agree on number one. Number three to me is when Luke gets a blanket in the Millennium Falcon. I have not written about this in a book chapter. Princess Leia watched her planet blow up. Luke just met Ben Kenobi. I do not understand why he gets a blanket. Uh, the next one to me is the end of Behind Enemy Lines. <laughs> the, well, the football music, the sliding across the ice. This is why they killed Stackhouse. Stackhouse doesn't exist. Everyone has footage already. The whole thing is so fucking stupid. But by far, by far, the most groan-worthy moment from the entire season is the motherfucking dog from oh, Damn Jesus, Busters. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It ruined the movie. It ruined what would otherwise have been a better is, movie. Yeah. Oh my. Otherwise, God. a really good movie. <laughs> oh my. And shit. they just lean into it, yeah. and they will not cut it out. They have said. <laughs> Yeah, my my nominees for grown worthy moments, um, definitely Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, Lady Trips. Let's see who to give him some water. Brought you oh. <laughs> I brought you some candy bars and some drinks. I'm such a stupid bitch. How can I help you, you strong man? We could also say your country's got to figure this one out. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that's what makes Secret Soldiers of Benghazi really fun is that it is chock full of grown moments. I mean, I groaned when frickin' Krasinski, like, pulled the gun out at the beginning. And I was like, oh, come on, man. Uh-huh. The whole thing is... It, it's good <laughs> action and it's dumb as fuck. I'm proud to know Americans like you. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's definitely some groans there, but yeah, when the lady went up there, the and she tripped, that that was groan worthy. Watch your step. By all means. I brought you candy bars and some drinks. Got fucking slim and in big parade. 
I was just any moment he's on screen. <laughs> so many moments when when they're hitting on the lady, I'm like I'm squirming and I'm groaning myself. Is mm-hmm. that does that count? Hidden Fortress has one of these two that I didn't put on my list. That is the the drawing of straws in the Hidden Fortress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dam Busters. I would say like potentially totally clinches it because I when the moment popped up, I was like, oh god damn, yeah, oh fuck. I forgot about that card at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I love the moment where we're like, we had a hard time finding this movie, and then we understood <laughs> Yeah. <why. laughs> yeah. We're like, it's a classic. It's a classic. It informs Star Wars. Why can't we follow? Oh, yeah. that's why. Look, Ike looking it. creepy okay. as shit in Longest Day, that's a groan-worthy <laughs> moment, absolutely for sure. Yes, it was. We think it made a former president walk out of a movie theater, but we're speculating. Yeah. He, um... <laughs> Behind Enemy Lines, that has some hilarious groan moments in it, but that kind of made it more fun. Like, Secret Soldiers of Benghazi is like, that one is of the movie of just chock full of groan moments. That is the groan moment. Mm -hmm. I think, aside from obviously a dog named N-Word in The Dam Busters, my winning groan moment is, um, what's her name in Strategic Air Command? Forgiving her husband. Saying she's sorry. Helen's apology. Yeah, don't apologize. Or Sally, is it? Sally. Yeah, you're right. It's Sally. I got it wrong, but it is Sally. And she does apologize when she's right the whole time. Yeah. A freaking Air Force doctor held her and like they lobotomized her and just sent her back <laughs> as a Stepford wife. They gave her some of that meth or whatever. Yeah, exactly. She's replaced with a robot. Cherry 2000. Well, she just gave her whatever. They gave her whatever they're giving her husband to keep him in the plane. And she's like, she comes up. Oh, yeah. I drove the car so fast over here. (laughs) I haven't slept in 12 weeks. (laughs) Uh, You're right. That's that's definitely on the list. That's the one for me. Um, You picked also the we covered, I think, between the two of us, two of the biggest groans. Yeah. Yeah. The the dog ruined it ruined the movie. the movie. The movie is otherwise like really yeah. good, but the dog is in it like I will never so ever say that probably ever again. The dog, take the dog out of the movie and definitely don't say its name all the time. <laughs> you can keep the dog. We said it's a very good dog. It just needs it just needs name. everybody needs to be like, oh, come here, you, and then they look at his name tag and you go, I'm not going to call you that. <laughs> I love your moment where you're like at any point just turn to like champ or Fido or guy <laughs> or like anything. Nope, they don't do that. They have to remember the dog. Charles, who's the best bad guy? The best bad guy. I said General Ripper mm. from Doctor Strange Love to me is the best bad guy. Number two was Hickey and Greg oh, from yeah. Natuan twirling each other's mustaches, we said. And then number three is Sergeant Hartman from Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. Is iconic and legendary and informative. Those are my best bad guys. Um, I got some good bad guys here. Obviously, the Zulus. <laughs> the Zulus. <laughs> On their own yep. country. Yeah. <laughs> We have, uh, uh, yeah, the people trying to destroy that poor tank in Beast of War, um, the Americans and the bridge, that one very young Vietnamese girl with the the sniper rifle sniping guys. Are you going to give it to the Confederates in glory and to the Nazis in the longest day, Charles? Are we just going to keep going here? What's the... Wait, are they bad guys? I thought we were saying bad guys. 
<laughs> oh, right. The 54th Massachusetts, <laughs> you mean? <laughs> um, no. So we got a bunch of bad guys here. Uh, Descal from uh, Beast of War. He's definitely got to be up there um, and one of the top ones. Mm-hmm. The generals from Strategic Air Command getting uh, Jimmy Stewart strung out. I hate that dude. <laughs> yeah. The cigar guy. Yeah. Yeah. How about everybody above Kirk Douglas's rank in Paths of Glory is a total psychopath? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the 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 top top tippy 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 top general? I can't remember. Again. Yeah, the guy is played by Adolphe Manjou. Yeah, yeah, he um he's like friendly, but then it's like, oh no, you're like the most psychopathic of them all. France cannot afford to have fools guiding her military destiny. I'm grateful to you, Dax, for having brought this matter to my attention. Colonel Dax, how would you like a General Miro's job? He's perfectly grandfatherly and encouraging and just totally neutral. And that's what's so fucking yeah. terrible about the whole thing is he knows that he's ignoring things. <laughs> and he continues to. Look, racist supply sergeant in glory. Nobody likes him. Thankfully, he got beat up. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Just stabbed mm-hmm. him, just shivved him like 40 times in the place. That. That little shepherd that they let go and Lone Survivor, obviously the bad guy. <laughs> just looking at <laughs> Yeah, that 12-year-old kid that runs down the hill like a gazelle <laughs> just makes it in no time. I was trying to remember the name of the guy that killed 20 Marines last week. He was just knocking Marines off and nobody could do anything about it. You didn't, uh, you didn't put Darth Vader? I find your lack of faith disturbing. I mean, as a villain, he's as a bad guy. He's yeah, he would he should be in in the mix. He's definitely iconic. General Ripper to me is such mm-hmm. a perfect statement about what makes America so terrible and evil and shitty. Yeah, uh, Hickey and Griggs are like they're just delightfully perfect. evil, and I would like to say that they're like they're like jokey evil, but it's like right. But probably, but probably the people that would take up that job, be really good at it and go to a place like that would probably act like that. Just be that ridiculous. And then Sergeant Hartman or the the drill Sergeant Hartman for me, he's like, he's real. Yeah. Commandant, he's a good bad guy. Um, Red Dawn has a Mm. bad, the the Russian one, the not the Cuban big bad guy in there. Right. Yeah. The big bad apocalypse now. Yeah. Is the bad guy ourself? Right. Are the bad guys the dudes sending him up the river that are they like more insane than the guy who has gone insane by the war? Are you an assassin? I'm a soldier. You're neither. You're an errand boy. Sent by grocery clerks. To collect the bill. Harrison Ford is the real bad guy in that movie. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Jarhead, Koba. Koba is like one of my top bad guys, I would say. Human. Work. Human. Work. Human. Work. Before the Rain is chock full of menacing bad guys in that. I feel like you talked about Koba and Daskal in the episode on dawn of planet of the apes but they're very similar mm-hmm. with their like tragic stories turning them into the villain oh and then the main the main bad guy from overlord 2018 him turning into a monster at the end of that movie is iconic that's a and thing. he turns into a literal monster yeah so mm-hmm. so he's gonna be up there you know what i'm gonna keep the role going for beast of war 
Daskal, we should have learned our lessons from him. Um, he's going to be my best bad guy. But you're right. Like Hartman is a really good bad guy. Yeah. He scares me. I, I hear him places. He's scary and he's real and people want to imitate him. <laughs> it's not good. Not good. Yeah. I think people would like sympathize with Daskal, but people idolize Hartman and that's yeah. not good. Best drama. We watched a couple of dramas. I feel like we had just enough to make a category here. And I don't know if these are all dramas necessarily, but I counted Meituan as a drama. Yeah, it's to, not really an action movie. Right. You know? To me, I think you could call The Big Parade an action movie, but it's also not. It's it's like got a very little bit of action in it. And so I included it in this. And then Before the Rain. To me, Before the Rain is a really good example of what a drama can mm. accomplish in the war platform in terms of focusing on the people and the choices that they have to make. And also how we get wrapped up in prior versions of the truth that seem to be cyclical notions of history, but that don't have to be, they can go other ways if we want. I don't know. It was smart. Yep. I think I'm going to, I'm going to choose before the rain. Yeah. That's my winner on that one. Yeah. It's the least action of all of them, I think, but it's, it's such a a deep story. Y'all got to watch it and then write into us if you want to talk more. I feel like Failsafe is a drama. Like I included it mm-hmm. in this list and I definitely thought about making it into the top three. And it really is the power of that scene of just the two of them on the phone. Yeah. I said that very well could be a stage play and it would blow yeah. your mind as a stage play. I think. That performance is, is incredible. Yeah, I would agree with you for that too. Failsafe. Yeah. Um, by all means, watch those two. Okay. Well then, Charles, in that case, um, I'm going to spit out this candle and I'm going to go get some, go get me some, uh, Jerry's. Sounds delicious. In the meantime, I am going to straddle this 40 megaton nuclear bomb. Hey, what about Major Kong? And wave my hat as wildly as I can and see where it takes me. All right. Woohoo! Woohoo! Check out all the podcasts brought to you by Redwood Sound Labs. Finally, a podcast that's dedicated to talking about your favorite sports movies. Whether you want to hear a breakdown of the plot, arguments about who's the MVP of the film, or crit and lit about it, you'll find it all on Fields of Glory. Listen to the show that will help you live a better life with your beloved pets. It handles topics like proper food, nutrition, positive reinforcement training, and more. Certified dog behavior consultant Charlotte Peltz welcomes your pet concerns and questions in the podcast Living With Your Dog. 
Zach and Matt are two horror movie enthusiasts of varying experience discussing horror movies through the scope of content, context, and comedy. They'll hit on the good ones and the classics, but they're really excited for the bad ones. Listen to Watch No Evil. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together they explore the narrative, effective, and production politics of war cinema on the Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L, War Project. 